Hi Friendship Church, fall is fast approaching and so is our kids and youth programming on Sundays and Wednesday nights. Starting September 11th, Kids Ministry will be offering nursery, newborn through 24 months at the 9 a.m. service and continuing with full kids programming, newborn through fifth grade at our 1045 service. We have so many exciting volunteer opportunities for you to disciple kids and youth on Sunday mornings and on Wednesday nights. Wednesday night at Friendship Church, they're a fun night for the kids because there's Awana and there's Flood in the river. It's amazing to watch a student and see them progress through the years, grow into who God is molding and shaping them to be, and then I get a little part in that. I think just having the common bond of having Christ as the center of their lives is what draws them together, and I think it's important for kids to see that they have that in common. My favorite part about Flood is like the sermon and getting to see my friends. It's really fun to be in here because there's just a lot of friends and games. My favorite part about volunteering is just the atmosphere of fun. I would encourage people to consider volunteering because we're all called to share the love of Christ with everyone. And if you're interested in serving with us, you can go to friendshipmn.org serve. We can't wait for you to join the family ministry team. Welcome Friendship Church. So glad to have you here. It's an exciting day. Vision Sunday. Uh, someone said, well, why are you doing Vision Sunday on both campuses as opposed to one campus? Great question. Glad you asked. Um, the issue is that uh, last year when we had us all on one campus dealing with what we perceived to be a, a kind of a big deal, we lost about 100 people. Like, they just couldn't find the Shakopee campus at all. They don't know, I don't know if they... We still, we still don't know where they are. And so, so we thought we should do it on both campuses. And uh, so this week it's in Shakopee. Next week it's in Prior Lake, uh, just so you are aware of that. We are two campuses, but one church. And I love that about Friendship Church. It's, it's a, a really cool thing. In fact, oftentimes I get the opportunity to go over to Prior Lake and and preach and get to know what's happening over there. Pastor Matt, he sometimes comes over here, just like a couple weeks ago he was here and shared a very personal story of mine without my permission. Um, it's not a big deal. I'm not going to make it a big deal. Um, where, uh, where we talked about the, the fact that we are expecting our first grandchild. And so thank you very much. I can't believe I'm married to someone who's going to have a grandchild. Uh, I love you. We're, we're, it's our grandchild. Um, but Matt mentioned that we would, you know, don't call me Pastor Kenny. You call me Gramps or Grandpa, Grandpa, and that, that's great. So I'm Kenny, Grandpa White, and this is Matt, much, much older than me, Clausen. So uh, we're, we're going to have a good time together today. I hope that your heart is encouraged and that you're ready to go. Are you ready to go? All right, well, let's get to it. Uh, in just a few moments, you're going to be in John 17. So if you have your Bibles, you might want to go ahead and turn there. Vision Sunday, by the way, is not something that Matt and I uh, sat down and tried to dream up some sort of new idea. And, you know, we didn't bring in uh, consultants to try, like, what is the latest, greatest, whatever we could do. We want to be wonderful. No, no, we didn't do that. What we did do, though, 
is we looked at the scriptures and said, what does God's word have to say for us? And because we believe so strongly in love, live, and serve like Jesus, well, we want to move forward uh, in fulfilling that with God's word. And that's what we're going to be spelling out together over these next few moments. Uh, the first matter that we want to talk about is this matter of one, of oneness, of unity. It's, it's a, a concept that we sometimes miss in the West because we're so individualized, right? Like, uh, everything is about what I feel, what I think, what I want to do, what works for me, and that's not necessarily bad. However, the scripture does call us to unity, to that oneness. Well, what, what is that? Well, we, we know from a few places in scripture that to, to be one is identified. For example, in the Shema, Hero Israel, the Lord our God, the Lord is one. This idea that the Father, Son, and Holy Spirit is one, they're united. It's also used in Genesis to identify a husband and wife that come together. The two become one. Uh, so we see that that concept is used throughout the scriptures. However, sometimes it's hard in the English language for us to talk about that oneness or that unity. Well, we have the word you, right? But you can just kind of mean everybody, so it's pretty ambiguous. The, the phrase is lost. If we were down south, we might use y'all, right? Like That's a, that's a word that kind of has an idea behind it. But the problem is that there are sometimes groups within groups, right? Uh, y'all doesn't really cover that. However, as someone who grew up in southern Indiana where English is fluid and only used as a starting point, let me just share this, that a word has emerged from the Hoosier language that perfectly reflects the specificity of the concept that is required. It's where it takes a united group, one, within other groups, you. They put the word together in Hoosier fashion. Of course, that's Ewan's. So, Ewan's that follow Jesus, let me share with you today that Jesus has called us to himself and that there is a work that he is calling us to. And, and with respect to this, we see it in Matthew chapter 4, verse 19, where Jesus is calling uh, Simon Peter and Andrew, his brother. And he says this, follow me and I will make you fishers of men. They drop their nets and immediately follow him. And you see this process, right? For them to be united, they have to follow Jesus. And so they have to make this mental decision that, yes, I'm going to follow Jesus. And then there is this work of God that Jesus himself is going to make them fishers of men as they go on mission with Jesus. And that's the heart of what we want to do, that our unity is found in Christ and in Christ alone. And we're going to develop that uh, as we walk together here in these next few moments. Without further ado, I'd love to give it over to you, Pastor Matt. <laughs> Would you? <laughs> I was able to make it all the way up here. <laughs> at my advanced age. <laughs> One of the things that we hope that you'll take away from today is how interconnected this idea of oneness is that Kenny's introduced to the idea of discipleship. That within God's plan, these two things go hand in hand, discipleship and oneness, and they can't be taken apart. What, what is a disciple? 
A disciple is one who's becoming like their master. That's not my definition. That's Jesus' definition. A disciple is not above his teacher in Luke 6.40. But everyone, when he is fully trained, will be like his teacher. So what's a fully trained disciple? It's one who is like their teacher, who is like their master. And Jesus has commissioned us as his followers to be a people who are making disciples. You know Matthew 28, 18 through 20. What does Jesus say? All authority in heaven and on earth has been given to me. Every bit of authority belongs to Jesus. And what are we to do because all of authority is his? He says, therefore, go make disciples of all nations, baptizing them in the name of the Father, the Son, and the Holy Spirit, and teaching them to obey everything that I have commanded. And behold, I am with you always to the end of the age. Jesus says, hey, followers, here's your mission. Go and make disciples who are fully submitted to me in baptism and who are committed to learning and obeying everything that I have commanded. And that's his mission for us at Friendship Church. That is his mission for his church. And in order to carry that out, Kenny and I want to be faithful to God's commands in our teaching in three areas. We, we don't think discipleship is possible unless the preaching and teaching reflect these three things. First of all, we're focused on Jesus. We don't want to be a church where when you come here, your eyes are drawn into yourself. We don't want to be about self-help and self-adulation. Every time you're a part of a fellowship at Friendship Church, we want your eyes to be drawn to Jesus and His greatness and His magnificence. We also are focused on the gospel. We don't want to be a church that simply comes and gives you some wise values, throws a couple of verses along next to those values so that it seems like a sermon, and ultimately those values help you live more successfully according to the world's standards. No, we want to be about the gospel of Jesus Christ that takes dead people and makes them alive. And in order to be about the gospel, we got to be about some things that aren't necessarily popular even in some churches because the gospel is good news. But it's good news in response to some bad news about our sinfulness, about the punishment that we rightfully deserve because of that sinfulness. But we think that in order for someone to fully live into the gospel of Jesus Christ, they need to know all of the message of the gospel, the bad news and the response that is the good news. Third, we're focused on the Word of God. Kenny and I don't want to preach messages. We don't want to have life group studies that are about the best wisdom we've ascertained. We don't primarily want to be people who just tell funny stories at Kenny's expense. I mean, we do want to do that. We do want to tell funny stories at Kenny. As a congregation, that's one of our goals. But that's not our primary aim. Our primary aim is what? To meet with God in His Word to sit down and walk through the Word of God day in and day out, recognizing it is sufficient for everything that God has for us. And so, as a part of what we talked about last year, in order to live into that, we've developed a, a seven-year teaching plan. Kenny and I went through and we developed, what do we want to do over the course of seven years so that in seven years, a person who is going to Friendship Church can walk through the Bible as a whole 
uh, Genesis to Revelation and can also walk through the biggest subjects and topics that the Bible teaches about. As we put that plan together, last year we started to work our way through it. And so we went through Genesis 1 through 11 in a sermon series called Creation and the Cross. And then a little while later, we did Genesis 12 through 22 in a sermon series about Abraham called When God Says Jump. As soon as that sermon series ended, we released a life group curriculum to our life groups that looks at Genesis 23 through 36 and the lives of Isaac and Jacob. And now in the next few weeks, we're going to release the final curriculum in that series on the life of Joseph that covers Genesis 37 through 50, so that someone between sermons and life groups will have looked at all of the book of Genesis. We went through the first half of the book of Romans. Spoiler alert, we'll get to the second half. And as we've gone through that, we've released some life group curriculums that relate to those subjects that are strong in Romans. And so we've released life group curriculums on Ruth and on Galatians, and on Colossians, and on the book of Acts as we've gone through. We've done some seminars to fill in some gaps, resolving conflict, marriage, parenting. Resolving conflict and marriage, those were separate seminars. (laughs) Also in our sermons, we want to get into the biggest subject matters that the Scriptures teach and look at all of what the Scriptures teach about it. So for five weeks, we looked at Jesus' identity as it's seen throughout the Scriptures. And for another five weeks, we looked at different facets of salvation and how it was described in the Bible. We also, as a part of our desire to disciple, started a ministry on Monday nights called Core Discipleship, where many of you came in here and met at 25 different tables around this room with disciplers leading people through the Word of God so that people could dig in deep to the Word and know God more there. I got to stop talking because this is not called Review Sunday. This is called Vision Sunday, and and, and that's nice. Now we've reviewed a little bit of what we've done over the course of the last year, but I want to turn it over to Kenny to talk about this next year. And one of the things that Kenny has said to me over and over again as we've discussed Vision and Vision Sunday is, I want to double down on discipleship. I'm kind of scatterbrained, and so I'm like, are you sure? What about this? Are you sure? What about this? Well, what about this rabbit trail? What about this? No, no, discipleship. That's what Jesus has called us to. Let's double down on discipleship and help people see the unity that it produces among us. And so I want, I want to call on Kenny to come and share a little bit about God's heart for unity. I don't exactly remember that conversation the same way you do. Matt teases like he's scatterbrained, but that guy is right on point. And um, talking about discipleship, it really is a big deal. We see that at the, at the heart of who Jesus is and the call that Christ has. You've already heard us talk about uh, Matthew 28. Um, what I want to do, though, is take us to a little different place. I want to go to John 17. For those of you who have been around me, you'll hear me refer to this passage a lot. Uh, This passage is one of those many passages that has been very um, transformational in my life and heart, and I think you'll hear a little bit of the reason for that as we jump into it. It's uh, John chapter 17. We're going to start in verse 20. John chapter 17, verse 20. And as we're turning there, what I'd like to do is I'd like you to think about this moment in time. This moment in time is just prior, before, just prior to Jesus going to the cross. 
He has, he has done everything he needs to do, and he's just about to go to the cross. Now, Jesus, when he was asked by his disciples, how do we pray, he taught them to pray, and he said, Our Father who art in heaven, hallowed be thy name. Right? Like, you know that one, the Lord's Prayer. But this is a moment where the Lord is praying, and we get his prayer laid out in front of us in a really beautiful way. If we want to look at the Lord's Prayer, Our Father who art in heaven, as a snapshot, we are looking at a video of Jesus before the Father, the Son before the Father in this passage, just before he goes to the cross. And you're going to see his heart come out. And in this particular uh, passage, listen closely. I do not ask for these only, speaking to, about his disciples, but also for those who will believe in me through their word. Did you catch that? Not just, not just these in front of me, but those who are going to believe because of these in front of me. There are people throughout history who have stewarded the gospel of Jesus Christ, meaning that they perpetuated this message that we're sinners and need a Savior, that there is a God who loved us enough to come in the flesh, to die on the cross for our sins, to conquer sin and death, raise from the grave, and give life to anybody who would call on him. They lived that out together in unity, and it took off like wildfire. And we've received that message. So if you've received Christ as your Savior because of those disciples, then Jesus is referring to you. Before he went to the cross, he's praying for us. That's a big deal to me. That they may all be one, just as you, Father, are in me, and I in you. That they also may be in us. I'll just pause there. So Jesus, in this prayer, is calling all of those who believe in him because of the disciples to this oneness, this unity. He's calling all of them to that. The first time I read this, uh, shortly after I was saved, I was about uh, 18 years old. And I had read this and I thought, oh, yeah, because when we get to heaven, then we'll all be one. But when you look closely at this, not even closely, <laughs> when you look at this passage, you recognize this isn't a passage about heaven. This is now. Like, Jesus is calling us in real time to that oneness, that discipleship nature where we are going to follow God with all that is in us. And that, that's what we see here. That you also may be in us so that the world may believe that you have sent me. What a, what a great method of evangelism. That the world may know that you sent me. So, so someone asked, like, what, what is different about the church? And you heard Pastor Matt refer to that uh, just a, a few moments ago, uh, where he talked about, you know, we could give these really uh, good points, the life wisdom kind of points, and attach some scripture to it and call it good, but, but that's, that's not really what we're called to. What I'm saying is this, the world has really good speakers, uh, people who can communicate. The world has really good musicians, people who, who can play instruments and sing. The world has really great facilities, and though the church has those things, that's not what makes us the church, and, and really that's not what makes us different than the world. But what does make us different, in part, is that unity 
in Christ. Like the world cannot manufacture that sort of thing. They can't drum up that sort of unity because that unity is only found in Christ. And this early church that is starting to grow and pick up steam, they're finding a diverse background. They're starting to find uh, uh, different, uh, major differences in their lives. And they're like, uh, oh, what do we do? We, well, we stay united United in Christ, and that's the call here. And when we're united, despite our differences, the world takes note of that. It's a great method of evangelism, loving others. The glory that you have given me, I have given to them, that they may be one, even as we are one, I and them, and you and me, that they may become perfectly one, so that the world may know that you sent me and love them even as you loved me. Wow. The love of the Father rests with those who are united in Christ, in Christ, focused on him. As I said, the early church uh, began to spread. Like the, the, the message of the gospel started to go from Jerusalem out into the Roman Empire. And it was important for the church to really grab a hold of this message of unity In fact, uh, let me just push pause on that to state this. Perhaps you've heard me say it before. I can't find anywhere in Scripture where the Lord gives a prayer, a prayer request that I can answer. Empowered by the Holy Spirit, I can be one. I can choose unity. Empowered by the Spirit, we can become one. That's an answer to Jesus' prayer. Jesus ever answer any of your prayers? Like, this is one that we can answer his. I think that's significant. And as the church began to grow and started to spread throughout the Roman Empire, uh, there was even more diversity. Uh, people who didn't have Jewish backgrounds, who, who weren't Messianic believers, uh, who didn't grow up in, uh, uh, in Jewish homes, but pagan places. And then what? How do they come into the church? How do they unite? How do they take that message of Jesus and grow? And that was one of the struggles. Uh, Paul addresses that in Ephesians. Probably while he's in jail, uh, he's writing this letter of encouragement to the Ephesians, who are a very diverse group who's trying to understand how, how do we walk this out together. And he gives them some instructions. If you have your Bibles, I do want to encourage you to go to Ephesians chapter 4. Ephesians chapter 4, and as you're turning there, let's look at the word. Paul says, I therefore a prisoner for the Lord. That's pretty important, I think. He says, I'm a prisoner for the Lord. Well, wait a minute, you're in a Roman jail cell. What do you mean you're a prisoner for the Lord? You're a prisoner under the Roman Empire, but that's not the way he sees it. Nope, I'm a prisoner for the Lord. I may be in a Roman jail cell, but I am a prisoner for the Lord. The authority that is above me is God's authority, and I am submitting to his authority so that even if I'm in a jail cell, I can proclaim Christ in this place. And that's exactly what he does. He goes on. I therefore, a prisoner for the Lord, urge you to walk in a manner worthy of the calling to which you have been called. Worthy of the calling? What does that mean? Should we build great big churches? Should we have amazing ministries? Should we have everything that we want and more? Well, uh, that's not what he says. He goes on to say, with all humility and gentleness, with patience, bearing with one another in love. Bearing with one another in love. 
You know why he says these sorts of things? Because it's not easy and it's not natural. Hey, yeah, uh, we need to be humble and gentle uh, because it's not easy and it's not natural. That's supernatural. We need the Spirit of God. Uh, with patience, again, not easy. Bearing with one another in love, if you're saying right now, you know, I guess I don't feel like I have to bear with others, then it's probable that everyone is having to bear with you, okay? Just so you know, that could be the case. That could be the case, Matt. Um, just could be. I'm kidding. I love that guy. <laughs> That's the case. Yes, eager to maintain the unity of the Spirit in the bond of peace. This idea of, of being eager is a non-emotional word. It's a decision that is being chosen, right? Like, I am eager. I am choosing to do this. I am choosing to bear with one another. I am choosing to be patient. I am choosing this humility, empowered by Christ, the Holy Spirit, for sure. But it is a, it is a, a, a decision that we have to make to maintain the unity of the Spirit in the bond of peace. I think sometimes this idea of the bond of peace is this like we don't want conflict. Let's just. Let's just have peace. We don't want conflict. Well, that's not the idea here. In fact, the church was willing to go through some significant conflict early on in dealing with the unity of the church. Uh, they were willing to say, you know what? That teaching is heresy. And if we go down that road, it is going to deviate from Christ, and we're not going to do that. The message of the gospel is unchanging. Culture might change, but the message of the gospel does not. And they were very uh, clear about that, about that point. So the fact that there is unity, it's not unity for unity's sake. It's unity for Christ's sake, right? We're going to keep our eyes on him. Continuing on, there is one body and one spirit. Because again, there are people coming into the church who have all these diverse backgrounds. That, like, you know, they're, they're, they're living in a culture that is worshiping many gods, no, there is one body, there's one spirit, just as you were called to the one hope that belongs to your call. One Lord, one faith, one baptism, one God and Father of all, who is over all and through all and in all. All of God, like that is what you're called to. All. Hear, O Israel, the Lord our God, the Lord is one that idea is that he is one over everything. That's in part what it implies. He's unified within himself, but he's also over everything. And we are embracing all that God is. And sometimes God isn't the way that we want him to be. I'll give you some examples. So there are characteristics of God that I absolutely love. And perhaps you do too. I love that God is love. God is love. He is absolutely love. And if all we do is focus on this characteristic of God, we might come to some poor conclusions like, God loves me because he is love, and I love to overeat, and I love to do things that I shouldn't do, and I love to gossip, and I love to lie, and I love to steal, and I love... Fill in the blank. But God loves me, so I think I'm good. If we're so focused on an aspect of God, we miss who God is. But there is only one God. God isn't just love. He's also just and he's also righteous. And so 
when I'm involved in sin, he is calling me out of that and into holiness, into repentance over here. And Paul is very careful with the church to let them know what that oneness is connected to, and it is the fullness of God. This is nothing new in the New Testament. It happened in the Old Testament, too. In the story of Exodus, Aaron fashions this golden calf. By the way, I love the way that Aaron says that. You know, they threw in the golden. Out came this calf. Weirdest thing. Uh, But... Uh, they called this calf God. Well, they called the calf Elohim. Some of our translations say gods. But it, it really is that they were talking about the God who delivered them. And they, they liked the golden calf. The golden calf made a lot of sense to them because it was an aspect of God, the God who delivers, but it's, it's not the fullness of God. It's not the God who calls us to follow him when it's inconvenient when there are thousands and thousands of people gathered in ancient Israel and the cloud of fire decides to move and they have to pick up their stakes and go right then, that's super inconvenient. Wouldn't it be better to just have a calf, a golden calf that you lead around? Then aspects of God, but not all of God. This unity is a call to God, all of God, to follow him in obedience. And a part of that obedience uh, is, in fact, a call to discipleship. And as, as you consider that, as you wrestle with that, I want you, I want you to think through, like, well, well, what does that mean? What does that look like? How can we really be one? And I think Matt has something to say about that. I hope you appreciate the opportunity that you're getting today as pastors we often get to speak to you, and as we're speaking to you, uh, we can look out and see those who've fallen asleep while we're speaking. <laughs> but on this particular Sunday, you're able to see if either of us fall asleep while the other one is speaking. I'm assuming we'll fall off the stool, right? If, I, if you fall asleep while I'm talking right now, there'll be a bang back here. And right? Kenny's, Kenny's talked about unity that is at the very heart of God's desire. It's what he is, it's what he wants for us. How do we grow in that unity? I love the way A.W. Tozer puts it. He says, has it ever occurred to you that 100 pianos all tuned to the same fork are automatically tuned to each other? They are of one accord by being tuned not to each other, but to another standard to which each one must individually bow. So 100 worshipers met together, each one looking to Christ are in heart nearer to each other than they could possibly be were they to become unity conscious and turn their eyes away from God to strive for closer fellowship. So how is it that we experience the unity that is so close to the heart of God? We don't experience it by aiming horizontally at having unity with each other. We experience that unity by growing closer and closer to Christ. And as we do, we experience the unity and oneness that comes with becoming more like Him. And this is where discipleship and unity must meet within the plan of God. The only way we can experience that unity is by growing up more and more to become disciples of Jesus Christ, to tuning our lives more and more to what he has for us. Romans 15, 5 says, May the God who gives endurance and encouragement give you a spirit of unity among yourselves as you follow Christ Jesus. That spirit of unity only will exist for us 
as we follow Christ Jesus. And it's only as we become more like Him and closer to Him that we experience the unity and oneness that He's designed for us. And so over the course of the next year, what are some ways that we're going to tune our hearts and minds more to Jesus together? These aren't the only ways, but we want to throw out a few things that we're going to do over the course of the next year in order to tune our hearts and minds more and more to Jesus so that we experience the unity He's designed for us. And it starts again with the teaching that we're going to be doing. We're going to enter into a sermon series in the fall on the first half of Mark. We're going to spend some time looking at Jesus day in and day out and the impact that He has on our lives We're going to continue in our study of Romans. Most of the second half of Romans is about how you practically live out relationship with Jesus in your day-to-day activities. We're going to, if you go four down, begin a study on the Exodus. Israel leaving Egypt. And as we do, we will look each and every time at how Israel's leaving of Egypt is a reminder to us of our leaving of sin and God leading us out of that. We also want to look at some of the biggest topics that the Scripture talks about. Things like marriage and sexuality, our work. We spend hours and hours of our, our, work week, or of our week at work. And we want to look how God has designed our work to be worship in our lives. We're going to look at the Word of God, what it is, and how God's designed for our lives to be transformed by it. We have life group studies that we'll be releasing that go with those things along the way. And of course, some seminars that we're going to be doing on prayer and angels and demons and abortion and parenting and stewardship along the way to fill in some of those gaps of what it means to live the life that Christ has called us to. We want to dig into some of these biggest subjects together and spend time on them together. But along with this, We also want to come together in prayer, seeking Jesus in prayer together, because nothing unites us like growing closer to Jesus together in our prayer lives. And so, in addition to the things that we normally do as a church to pray, we also want to enter into times of quarterly prayer and fasting, setting aside a weekend in a a quarter in which we'll provide fasting guides for everyone in the congregation to go through as we fast and pray together. Uh, We want to spend some time utilizing the holidays to draw ourselves closer to Jesus. So during Christmas, we're going to do 25 days of Christmas devotions. Probably going to be the first 25 days in December that those will be released. And so as we go through that, uh, all of those devotions are going to be written in a way that they draw you closer to Jesus. Some of them will particularly focus on how families can meet together in order to draw close to Jesus during that time. Uh, If you drop down to the fourth one, during the Easter week, we have this fun idea to spend some time releasing news flashes to people in the congregation about what was happening 2,000 years ago. So that during Holy Week on Tuesday at 10 a.m., you're going to receive a message about what Jesus was doing in the temple on Tuesday of Holy Week and how it can lead you to pray and live. Uh, If you go between there, uh, starting January 1st, we want to enter into a church-wide reading plan and invite everybody to join us on a church-wide reading plan as we make our way through the Scripture. 
And we're going to provide short little pastoral devotionals for each of those days in which we're reading the Scripture together that lead us to a place of prayer. And we're implementing a new kids' curriculum. Our kids' directors have worked very hard in researching curriculums in order to find a way to draw those who are smallest among us here as a part of our church family into the greater story of the Scripture. And so they have come up with a new curriculum that dives deeper into the scriptural teaching and how it relates to our salvation and our Christian life, and we're excited about that. Those are just a few of the things that we want to be doing over the course of this next year, and Kenny has a couple more that he'd be willing to share with you. Yeah, I, I really hope that you're, you're having a sense of, okay, we see some direction of where we're going and what God's doing, and some of our hope on our end is um, not to uh, not to say, oh, it can only be this way, but rather provide opportunity for us to be united and in our discipleship. One of those ways is with a seminar that uh, I did last year that we'll also be doing again this year. It's called Resolving Everyday Conflict. Uh, probably not you, but is there someone sitting near you that has had conflict? You just raise your hand if you know of somebody near you who has conflict. Yeah, okay, okay. Uh, <laughs> wait, hey. <laughs> That's right. We've all experienced conflict. And, you know, the reality is that probably none of us were really taught how to walk through conflict in a biblical way. What if the God who spoke and created uh, worlds, what if, what if he would have... Uh, or, or rather, couldn't he have spoke and kept our conflicts from happening? Well, of course he could have, but he hasn't. He allows them. So maybe he has a plan in the midst of those conflicts. And so, whether you're talking about uh, in your home or at your work or in your ministry, there is opportunity to see what is God's plan in conflict and how can we walk through this in a godly way. And so, uh, that's coming up October 1st. There's a table out there. You'll see more about it. Marriage mentors. Last week, you heard from Matt Lohr, who is over the marriage ministry, uh, marriage mentor ministries. And we have many people. I can't remember what the number is. Do you, 19 offhand? Yeah. Oh, I was thinking of numbers of mentors. Yeah. Yeah, we have quite a few numbers of mentors. Quite a few numbers of mentors. That's what I just said. Okay, great. Uh, we have quite a few marriage mentors uh, who are willing to walk with people uh, throughout their marriage because there are different stages. I mean, the reality is there are times that, boy, uh, spouses, you're, work, you're walking together, things are great, and then a new season comes, and maybe it's not as great, and maybe you need some new perspective, and maybe you want to walk with somebody else in doing that. We have marriage mentors in Prior Lake and in Shakopee. I've heard some people say, you know what, I would rather work with somebody who's not on our campus. That's great. I've heard other people say, I think I'd like to work with somebody who's on our campus that we could worship with and get to know even better. That's great too. We want to help you make those connections. Marriage mentors is one of the ways that we do that. There is prayer going on on both campuses on Thursday in Prior Lake. It's at Thursday at 6 a.m. In Shakopee, it's Thursdays at 7. You can figure out why. Um, because I like to sleep in was the point. I, I like that. Uh, but we can, you can join us on Thursdays if you like. 
also, and this is kind of a new one, that um, on Sunday mornings at 8.30, here in the worship center and the worship center in PL also, we have a time of prayer before the services. It's about 15 minutes uh, where we spend some time praying together, um, uh, praying over the services, praying for the people that come in. Sometimes we, we pray for uh, each person who's going to sit in the chairs, right? That, that's one of the things we often do on Sunday mornings. Sometimes we're praying about specific topics uh, and matters that we know the sermon is going to be addressing. But that's on Sunday mornings on both campuses at 8.30, and you're welcome to join us. It is an open invitation for that. Additionally, there are a few other things that are coming up that we want you to be aware of. One of those, I'll say it this way, Guys, we want to give you an opportunity to flourish. Men, we, we want to see you uh, be all that God has called you to be in your discipleship. And there are a variety of ways of going about doing that. You heard us talk about core discipleship. That's for men and women, though uh, you'll be at the tables with your own gender. And, and so that is happening uh, on Tuesdays this year in Prior Lake. But guys, on, mo- on Mondays, two times a month, second and fourth, is Men's Link. You'll be able to come in, spend some time together, get to know one another. We're going to dig into the word together for this purpose, that we can teach others to do the same. So we're going to teach others to be able uh, to teach the scriptures. We'll talk about a Bible study principle or exegesis. We'll go into the word. It's not intimidating. I know maybe that sounds ooh, that sounds a, a little bit heavier than, uh, than it really is. But the idea is that we want to fulfill the Great Commission. Go make disciples of all nations, baptizing them in the name of the Father, the Son, and the Holy Spirit, and teaching them to obey everything I've commanded. So you may be thinking, well, I'm not a teacher. Yeah, I get that. But you are a Christ follower. And there are principles that we can walk through together to help you with that. Uh, There is a, a table where you can get some more information on Men's Link and how we're doing that. Additionally, Uh, you'll note that in the days to come, you'll hear and see more about relational evangelism. Evangelism is an aspect that I think many people struggle with. How do I share uh, the gospel? How do I share my testimony in a way that is effective, in a way that doesn't break relationships perhaps, or maybe I need to get over myself and, and make a big step of faith in sharing and see how God works it out. Well, once a month, we'll have relational evangelism, uh, where there'll be some training in how to share the gospel. How, how do I share it with my friends and family? How do I share it in different contexts? And so it'll be once a month. You'll hear more about that in the days to come. And again, we have some information. Uh, at the t- Actually, we have Dave Marmalejo, who is at the table, uh, who is our information on that. So you can see Dave. Um, we're excited, and we're encouraged, because we think that God is calling us to this unity, this oneness, And uh, I I hope you lean in. I hope your heart is encouraged. And as we start to prepare our hearts uh, for this unity, I'm going to have Pastor Matt come.